Hey, Shelby Abbott here. Just want to give a heads up before you listen to this next program. Today's conversation on Family Life Today covers some sensitive but important subjects that might not be suitable for younger ears. So please use discretion when listening to this next broadcast. All right, now let's jump into it. Brokenness started very early in the Bible. And sexual brokenness started at a very early stage in the Bible. And one of the things I really want for my daughters is I want them to encounter the brokenness of this world in the pages of Scripture before they encounter the brokenness of this world on YouTube. Welcome to Family Life Today, where we want to help you pursue the relationships that matter most. I'm Shelby Abbott, and your hosts are Dave and Ann Wilson. You can find us at FamilyLifeToday.com or on the Family Life app. This is Family Life Today. Okay, here's a heavy topic. If a friend of yours came to you, a parent, and said, my daughter wants to identify as a boy, Hmm. Ann Wilson, what would you say? It's funny. I haven't had that question. I've had a lot of parents come up to me and say, my child has identified as gay or same-sex attracted, but I haven't had this one. And so I think I would need help in exactly what to say, even as our kids' friends are wondering or struggling. I think that this is a really important topic to discuss. Yeah, and it's front of mind for a lot of families. You know, 10, 15 years ago, when we were raising our kids, this was not something that came up really around the dinner table, but it is something that parents are talking about today and, and families to need help. About. Yeah. So Jared Kennedy is back in the studio. Welcome back, Jared. Thanks for having me, Dave. I'm, it's good to be here. I mean, you've written a book, which, you know, I said earlier, it's like, wow, you tackled a big topic. The title is A Parent's Guide to Teaching Your Children About Gender, Helping Kids Navigate a Confusing Culture. Well, obviously, you're in the family space. You write, you guide writers, you provide mm-hmm. resources to help families disciple their kids in Christ. So why this? I know a couple of years ago you said, I got to write about this. Why? Yeah, well, before my current role as an editor and resource provider, I served for 13 years as a family pastor in a local church in an urban context where I encountered kids that had come out as trans to Mm. their parents. Yeah. And I think I began writing on this because I had no idea what to do. And so Mm. uh, this was an area where... I just began to ask a lot of questions and do a lot of reading and think through, how are we going to teach on this with Mm. our teenagers and our local church? And then how do I respond pastorally when moms and their daughters or moms and dads and their sons come into my office and, and ask these questions? I mean, I think a lot of parents are like, I need help. I need resources. So help us. Where would we start? We get scared because we don't want to respond poorly, you know, and we want to be helpful, but we're also freaking out inside possibly. (laughs) And so we really need some guidance. Yeah. And this is such a hard topic because it touches on theology. It 
touches on child development. It touches on so much of kind of what is encountered in our society. And there can be tons of anxiety that moms and dads are feeling. If your daughter announces that she no longer wants to be called Joan, but wants to be called Jim and and is coming out, then a simple, you know, two weeks ago, her wanting to wear her hat backwards was a Mm. fashion statement. And now Mm. it takes on this this deep weight, you know, of is this cross-dressing now? I, you know, has this crossed that line? And so I think the first thing to remember is that God works through weakness. I think it can be very tempting to react in that moment in an angry way mm. or in a controlling way. Or even like, you don't even know what you're talking about. You're a kid. You don't even know what's going on right now. Yeah. Which may be true. <laughs> yeah. Keep that um, to yourself. <laughs> yeah. But as moms and dads, we should keep that to ourselves. I think in that moment, you want to crucify those deep emotions mm. and respond in the most humble and gentle way and really begin by listening. I think that's the most important, and by asking a lot of questions. Mm. I think the more that you can get a kid to tell a story, when did you start feeling this way? Is this something that's been going on for months or for weeks? When did you first kind of hear about this? Do you have other friends that are you've been processing this with before this is people are probably writing all this down right now you know that's those are good you know just to begin to ask those questions and draw them out and And at that point too are we showing empathy because i'm thinking that's super important if you've ever confessed your sins to someone Mm. that takes courage yeah and a child may not understand this as sin they may in that Mm. moment they just may know that it's something they feel a lot of of shame and embarrassment or fear over being honest about this with mom and dad. But nevertheless, it takes a lot of courage Mm. for them to be honest with you. And so if they've been honest about the way that they're identifying, honest about the way they're viewing themselves, then empathy is super important. Um, So in that moment, we're feeling all this deep anxiety and frustration and anger. But if we can listen and then show empathy for honestly the pain they may be feeling or the anxiety and the fear they're mm. they're feeling, the more you can cultivate a conversation. Yeah, I, I was just thinking in that moment to do that, it's like I'd have to be praying because in <laughs> yes. one sense you're just devastated. As a mom, I'm thinking of their future. I've already gone into high school, college, you know, their 30s. Everything. Yeah, that's what I do. I process all the way forward. You're in shock. Yeah. Initially, because you're like, we you are you literally were taught better in than it. us. You know better than yeah. us. I mean, you know, those are all the the things that yeah. are rising up. So you're feeling all that inside, and yet on the outside, as you look at your son or daughter, you have to hold that in and deal with them in the moment. Maybe go to a room later and and freak out or just say, oh, my goodness. But in that moment— Empathy. And and I know in your book, you walk through sort of steps, like one of them is celebrate. Yeah. So in the book, in the celebrate chapter, I'm really thinking about, you know, two, three, four-year-olds, you know, kids at a younger age, uh, before they ever encounter any sort of gender confusion, Mm -hmm. that you want to celebrate how God made them and celebrate, uh, you know, their identity as 
a boy and girl, yeah. which is which is something that, you know, in our culture, we do have gender reveal parties. It's something that uh, folks get excited about with, with newborns. But I think it's something that feels maybe a little bit more awkward yeah. as kids get older. But when you see those things about your son and daughter that are in accordance with God's design. You want to talk in a real celebrative way about how God made them and the beauty of that. And so, you know, my oldest wants to go into medicine and she is like a task-oriented go-getter girl, but there's a nurturing aspect to that. And when I see that nurture, getting excited about that and being able to celebrate, hey, God has designed you. He's designed your body as a body that can give life to a new baby. And he's designed you as someone who can nurture and care for others in a life-giving way. I'm so thankful for the kind of woman that he has made you. And I can even point to examples of other women in history who have, have had that same kind of nurturing care for others and celebrate just the biological sex, the the identity that God has given. And like you said, that starts early. And that starts early. That starts with little kids when you're teaching them the name of private parts. (laughs) You know, that's not something that should be a shame-inducing thing. But it's like, this is, you know, what you have because you're a boy, you know? And I'm so thankful God has made you as a young man. And being able to celebrate that when you see that in your young kids, I think is so important in order to, to help them grow into a secure faith in how God has made them. Hmm. I've shared here before, but I think I was nine when I had told my mom, like, I don't want to be a girl. I'm so mad that I'm a girl. Boys have it way better, and I want to play football. And I'm just imagining if I said that to a parent today, to my mom today, it would probably feel very different than back in when I was little. But I just remember my mom listening like, oh, honey, I know you would have been a great football player. I remember her saying that. (laughs) But later on, after I had cried all day, I had an older sister. I'm like, oh, you have to go through cycles and this is awful. Right. But I remember my mom kind of sitting on the floor with me and she said, someday, you know, you're going to be really thankful because it's really special to be a woman She said, you're going to get to have a baby, maybe, if you get married. You may not, but you could have a baby. You you have a part of you that's unlike anyone else. Yes. And it was the first time as this little girl, because I really wanted to be a boy. I just wanted to be an athlete. Mm -hmm. I thought girls were wimpy, and they cried all the time. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, huh, it just gave me a perspective of, Maybe it is good to be a girl. Mm-hmm. And so I think those our parents can really speak that beauty and life and even a future into our kids mm-hmm. as a female or as a male. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, God has some great things in store for you. Yeah, that's a really beautiful story. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think the, that model of your mom in the moment. Yeah. Just listening. Yeah. You, you know? would have been a great football player. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, and affirming, yeah. like, you know, the, uh, I mean, it's a competitive spirit is not a bad thing, right. you know? And so, you know, affirming some of those 
like really good mm. aspects of what you were saying, but then pulling you aside later and bringing that correction and casting mm. a vision yeah. for what it looks like. I think that's a that's a beautiful thing. And that's that's what I hope that Celebrate part of the resource is equipping parents. Yeah, do. right. And, and you mentioned in the book, you start teaching your kids early about sex. That's and right. And their, their gender and all that. So... When do you start having discussions about gender dysphoria or those kind of things that maybe they're hearing, you know, as they hit probably middle school or, you know, somewhere in that age? How do you step into that before they've ever said anything to you about them, but they're in a world, social media, you name it, they're seeing and hearing. And maybe they have friends at school yeah. that are starting to say things. How do you step into that as a parent? Yeah, I mean, I think two encouragements. I think one is, you know, be ready to talk about this because the brokenness is there in mm. our culture and it's going to come up. And so I think one thing would be whether you grab my resource or, or other resources, learn about these topics so that uh, you're ready to engage conversations when they do come up. Um, secondly, sometimes we get this view of the Bible, right, where Everyone in the Old Testament was perfect, and they were they were great <laughs> models and examples for us in our life. And so you should be like Abraham and be like David. The truth is, right. <laughs> brokenness started very early in the Bible, and sexual brokenness yeah. started at a very early stage in the Bible. And one of the things I really want for my daughters is I want them to encounter the brokenness of this world in the pages of Scripture— before they encounter the brokenness of this world on YouTube. Hmm. Having regular rhythms where you're reading the scriptures with your kids gives a framework for viewing those things within God's categories hmm. and not in the world's categories. And so it helps them to see that like, yeah, biological sex was there in Genesis 1. Like sex was there in the in the garden that Adam and Eve were created to be fruitful and to multiply. So you see the beauty of what God created, being able to look at biological sex and gender in light of that biblical storyline is something that I, I think is super essential. And then secondly, when those conversations come, just be ready to do what you described your mom doing, mm. <laughs> where you listen and you hear, and then later on you come alongside. So this is more of a story about broken sexuality than than transgender. But when my daughter was in elementary school, I live in Kentucky, we're huge college basketball fans. And oh, yeah. there was a, a sex scandal at one of the universities um, mm. in our town. And I, I was sitting at a coffee shop across the street from our church with my oldest, I, th I think she was like 10 or 11 at the time. And I get the ESPN alert on my phone that says our basketball team is not going to be allowed to go to the NCAA tournament because mm. they've been put on probation. And she's like, why? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't want to talk about this <laughs> in a coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. But us being able to have those conversations with her and think about that at a kid's level without going into to too much detail but having had conversations about sex and gender before and the biblical view of that allows us when it then comes up in the culture to have those more reactive conversations. Yeah, at that's that time. good. Mm. 
How have you had that conversation at the dinner table? What's it sound like? Or even were you the one that defined what transgender was to your girls? Mm. And how do you do that? What's it sound like? Give us super practical, here's how to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think gender dysphoria is this deep feeling of of sometimes pain and anxiety over your given biological sex, given by God, uh, the feeling that you are the opposite sex. Did you explain that to your girls? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it in, yeah. in those terms. And then I think we did have conversations on the other side, like mm. who in your life has experienced, whether it be same-sex attraction or this kind of gender dysphoria, or has identified publicly as trans. Mm. How do you talk to them? How do you show compassion? What does it look like to show compassion but not compromise on biblical teaching? Mm. And I, I think that's something every kid wrestles with. And then I've talked to a number of Christian parents whose kids have mm. begun to identify in this way. And I think the response there sympathetic, is listening, but then you don't relinquish your authority hmm. as a parent. As long as your kids are still in your home, you have a, a responsibility to shepherd and, and direct. And so after that empathetic conversation, there's the time to come back alongside hmm. and like your mom did in a really gentle way when you were younger. The, we do the same thing with older kids, but maybe, maybe in a more direct way bring correction. Those are some of the harder things where you're making a decision for your kids that you know they're going to buck against, that you know they feel anxiety about. What would that um, look like, Jared? What do you mean? I think two really important things. One is recognizing, uh, as your kid tells the story, who the influences are hmm. in their life that are leading them in a way that's contrary to truth. Yeah. And sometimes as parents— uh, when we recognize uh, there are worldly influences in our kids' lives, we have to cut off those influences. Mm. And so that may mean moving a child to a different school. That may mean cutting off access to the internet or, you know, to the phone or social media, wherever those those influences are. It may mean in that situation saying there are, are certain friends that we're not going to allow you to to be in certain context with. And so those are the kinds of situations where you don't want to make other kids a pariah, but you also have the responsibility as the authority in your own kids' lives mm. to protect them from those influences. And then I think having having certain house rules, you know, and I think that's a very difficult um, decision yeah, for Yeah, because it seems like it would be a battle in many circumstances. It could be a battle. There are also mental health struggles that kids have related mm. to that as well. And so I think think you've just got to really go slow and yeah. and very gentle, recognizing those uh, statistics show that those who experience gender dysphoria, that they experience higher suicide rates Ugh. as well. And so, so you want to go very, very slow with your kids. And lovingly. And, and lovingly and very, very gently, but not compromising the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, as I'm listening to you, Jared, I'm thinking it takes courage for a mom and dad to enter in to this discussion with their kids from 
little toddlers, mm-hmm. but as they hit middle school and high school, I mean, your conversation with your 10-year-old, 11-year-old daughter about, you know, the basketball team in Louisville is like, it takes courage. You've had discussions already. It wasn't something that, oh, this is the first time we're ever going to talk about this topic. So I would encourage dads, have the guts to go there. I could say this to moms too as well, but I know it'd be easy just to say, I'll do that tomorrow or somebody else will do that or the church will do that. I'm saying dads do it. This is a conversation you don't want to start when they're 18. You want to start when they're eight or six or five. And then it's something that is not that unusual to be talking about in your home because they live in a family where we can talk about this. We can look at what God says about this. I can I can hear your pushback on this. Mm-hmm. What, what things don't you agree with? What questions mm-hmm. do you have? Let's That's make good. this a place where this home is something we can talk and about. And I think moms, we have to enter into this conversation because this conversation is happening all across our culture. And we have to, as believers, enter into it in a loving way. I think terms are important too. Sometimes our kids come home and they use these terms. I remember freaking out like, what in the world? But you mentioned in your book, sometimes it's good to ask them more about that. Yeah. And you know what? We were talking about asking your kids questions and getting them to tell you a story. Well, sometimes in the midst of telling that story, (laughs) you know, this, this term you don't know will come out. I mean, it may be as simple as I'm gay or I'm trans, but it could be some other term that hasn't even been made up yet. But then, you know, <laughs> and you don't know what it you don't know what it means, but they may not know what it means hmm. either. And I think asking the question, what do you mean by that? Make sure you're operating from the same standpoint. What can happen sometimes is a mom and dad has an idea about what something is. A child has a different idea about what that is and having a good conversation. What do you mean by the language that you're using? Or what do you think that word means? What do you think that word means? You know, it just puts you on the same page so that the conversation is coming from the same starting point. We want to ask them, you know, what does this mean and what does this look like in your life? We've got to know. We got to be intentional with the next generation in ways that previous generations didn't have to do. And you know what? That doesn't have to be a burden. I'm Shelby Abbott, and you've been listening to David Ann Wilson with Jared Kennedy on Family Life Today. Jared's written a book called A Parent's Guide to Teaching Your Children About Gender. Super timely, really, really helpful. You can pick up a copy at familylifetoday.com or you can give us a call at 800-358-6329. Again, that number is 800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. And while you're at FamilyLifeToday.com, we'd love it if you'd partner with us and become part of the Family Life family. When you join us and give a donation online, we want to send you a thank you. And that thank you will be a copy of Jordan Rayner's book called The Word Before Work. Jordan was a guest earlier this week. And he's written a Monday through Friday devotional, but the Devo actually goes all year long. It's a year-long study. Again, that book is going to be our gift to you when you partner with us financially here at Family Life. You can go online to familylifetoday.com or give us a call at 800-F as in family, L as in life, 
and then the word today. Or you could feel free to drop us something in the mail. Our address is Family Life, 100 Lakeheart Drive, Orlando, Florida, 32832. Now, if you know anyone who needs to hear conversations like the one you heard today with Jared, and probably all of us know someone who needs to hear a conversation like the one we heard today, would you share it from wherever you get your podcasts? And while you're there, you can really help others learn about Family Life today by leaving us a review. We would love that. Well, tomorrow, if you've been having trouble seeing eye to eye with your family, you're going to want to tune in to Tim Yohoff and Rick Langer. They're going to help us express deep convictions with our friends and family members, but do it in a way that's simple and with empathy. That's tomorrow. We hope you'll join us. On behalf of David Ann Wilson, I'm Shelby Abbott. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a donor-supported production of Family Life, a crew ministry, helping you pursue the relationships that matter most.